Our second reading this morning is from the Gospel of St. Matthew, the fourth chapter, and you can also find it in the middle of your bulletin insert if you'd like to follow along. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, God will command the angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, Do not put the Holy One your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the sovereignties of the world and their splendor. And he said to them, All these I will give to you, if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship God and God alone, and you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. Here ends our reading. The Garden of Eden and the Temptation of Jesus. Just seeing these stories on the page makes some of us a little uncomfortable. Our sin propaganda radar starts going off and we duck and cover. The confusion of old narratives about Eve inevitably returns. Did she really do something wrong? And there arises that familiar fear of falling from grace, of failing to be righteous and wise enough. So preferring comfort, we quickly dissociate so we don't have to feel embarrassed by our imperfection or our confusion. Distancing ourselves from our distress, we move to a position of offense, judging Eve, vindicated with Jesus. Take that, you tempter. It's only much later that we are cognizant of the misfortune of both texts, that the way we have internalized them has made them a tool for turning against ourselves. And maybe... They are meant to be the opposite, an offering of gentleness. The Garden of Eden, a backdrop for a story about coming of age, a reflection about the awkward experience of coming into puberty, becoming aware of our bodies, and not so sure that we are comfortable with what we or others see. An illustration of the discomfort and sadness and struggle of no longer feeling at home. The wilderness. A setting where human life was affirmed. 
For as that gifted theologian Shirley Guthrie imagines, Jesus' life was not about pointing out how little we are and how big God is, but was to affirm, protect, and defend human life. To affirm human life when we find ourselves in the wilderness, disoriented and having a hard time trying to survive. To affirm life even when we have confused rocks for food. To affirm life even when we have mistaken wealth and notoriety for a satisfying and fulfilling life. There remains an effort to affirm our humanity and a belief that we will find our way. They are stories that bridge centuries to those with names known and unknown to us who went through it too. There is a saying that the best way to help me find my story is to tell me your story. Maybe they were knowingly or not offering us their story so we could find gentleness with our own. Reflecting on the spirituality of imperfection and the ancient tradition of storytelling to help us find our way in the wilderness, writers Ernest Kurtz and Catherine Ketchum retell this well-loved memory. When the founder of Hasidic Judaism, the great rabbi Israel Shem Tov, saw misfortune threatening the Jews, it was his custom to go into a certain part of the forest and to meditate. There he would light a fire, say a special prayer, and the miracle would be accomplished and the misfortune averted. Later, when his disciple, the celebrated Majid of Metzrich, had occasion for the same reason to intercede with heaven, he would go to the same place in the forest and say, Master of the universe, listen. I do not know how to light the fire, but I am still able to say the prayer. And again, the miracle would be accomplished. Still later, Rabbi Moshe Lieb of Sasev, in order to save his people once more, would go into the forest and say, I do not know how to light the fire. I do not know the prayer, but I know the place, and this must be sufficient. It was sufficient, and the miracle was accomplished. Then it fell to Rabbi Israel of Ritzen to overcome misfortune. Sitting in his armchair, his heads in his hands, he spoke to God. I am unable to light the fire, and I do not know the prayer, and I cannot even find the place in the forest. All I can do is tell the story, and this must be sufficient. And it was sufficient, for God made humans because God loved stories. Listening to stories and telling them helped our ancestors to live humanly, to be human, to let go of rigidity, self-judgment, and self-righteousness, and to take in 
more gentleness. This gentleness is an underlying element to spiritual practice, including those we might think of as Lenten disciplines. When we enter a labyrinth, when we prepare to enter a time of pilgrimage, when we begin a retreat, when we do sitting meditation, we are encouraged to hold ourselves gently and to hold an intention of letting go of judgment, to notice it and let it go. Our Lenten theme this season is strength. Witness the mystery. We always come up with such nice titles, don't we? When I meditate on Jesus in the wilderness, when I meditate on Adam and Eve in the garden, having let go of the judgment, I imagine the strength of those who have been through the wilderness, whether the wilderness of puberty or otherwise. I remember witnessing their dignity when they acknowledged their humanity. I remember being inspired as they were able to laugh at themselves for freaking out over missing another sock. Feeling more human when they talked about getting caught up in out-meditating a frog. I remember being relieved when they were, to, when they were able to say, there I am again. Being allowed to witness their humanity gave strength to me. And when they recognized another feeling the sting of their humanness, I remember witnessing them share a laughter that broke through the pain and the isolation. When I meditate on Jesus and Adam and Eve, I am reminded of those who know the truth, like our ancestors before them, that finding our way through the wilderness happens by affirming our humanity. I am reminded of the strength of gentleness. As we enter this season that meets us in the wilderness and trusts we will blossom, what is your prayer intention for these next six weeks? You'll find in the middle of your bulletins an envelope and a three by five card. I invite you to write down what prayer intention you would like to hold for this Lenten season and then put it in the envelope, self-address it, seal it, and when you're ready to bring it forward and put it in the basket, and it will be mailed to you at the beginning of Holy Week. <laughs>